What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the non-copyright uh, version of the People's Court. And you are our people's folks. It's Tony Dunn. It's Debate My Take, where two guys with great opinions argue over who's got the better hair, who's got the better take. And I tell you, Tony Dunn's going to win this debate tonight as we argue over a variety of NFL football topics focused on the Carolina Panthers and my nemesis, my foe, Cody Lashney. Welcome back to C3 Debate My Take. Tony Dunn, this is less of a courtroom session and more of a jam session with oh. that music you got going. Hey, a little bit of slap of the bass, if you know what I mean, right? Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm grooving. I'm here on another Wednesday night. I'm ready to hit a rock and solo right on top of your face and own you like I always do. <laughs> Let's rock, bro. Ain't nothing to it but to do it. All right. Uh, tonight's show, debating a variety of Carolina Panthers uh, topics as long as life topics. And uh, I'd be remiss to say if we should not start with, was Joe Brady a scapegoat? Man. The Carolina Panthers fired um, offensive coordinator last week during the bye week. It was a late fire in some ways. We'll talk about that a little bit later. We'll argue about that a little bit later, about the timing of that. But Joe Brady, um, the fall guy, is he the scapegoat? I'll let you start, my friend. I mean, Tony, this very simple answer is yes. I've said on our podcast for weeks, I've said on this very debate show that Joe Brady is not the cause of our offensive woes. It was a number of different things, mainly Matt Rule's inability to properly manage this offensive line correctly, his inability to get the quarterback position correct, 
And now thrusting Cam Newton in at the middle of the season and expecting everything to gel the right way. Tony, now they're even putting out reports that the Panthers had intentions on firing Joe Brady at the end of the season anyway. Uh, all of it stinks like fish to me. If Matt Rule uh, stepped so far outside of his comfort zone, why would he do it his first year in the NFL? Knowing that stepping into a situation where he's only ever been a college coach, so was all the people that he brought with him. But then he brought someone in that he was unfamiliar with and expected everything to gel and be fine and perfect. 100% he is a scapegoat. Now, I'm not saying that he was perfect. I'm not saying that he is a fantastic play caller. But there were a lot of missed throws and a lot of poor protections in this Panther offense. And I think that this is Matt Rule simply trying to present to the world that he has control of what's happening on this football team, Tony Dunn, and he does not. This ain't no Jack Ruby. This ain't no Patsy. Bro, this guy was getting fired at the end of the season, but he was just on the – he's just the first. Don't let the door hit you on the way out is what Matt Rule said because the door is going to hit my ass on the way out. Matt Rule's on the way out. You can't be a scapegoat when you're getting fired too. Matt Rule is reeling, man. He is reeling. And I am telling you this is Joe Brady might not been the problem, but he definitely was a problem. And rule number one is these guys got to go. These guys got to go. Brady this week, Matt rule in three weeks or four weeks, whenever the end of it, whenever the end of this suffering is going to happen, you can't be a fall guy when everybody is free falling out of the airplane. He's not a scapegoat. This whole thing is a disaster. And Matt Rule is just as much as a problem as Joe Brady was. I do agree with the idea of, actually, I won't say agree with you because I'm here to debate you, my friend. But I will tell you this is I wouldn't have had a problem with this being done at the end of the year. This is um, this is why they tell you to put the mask on yourself first in the airplane. This is why they tell you to put the life preserver on yourself first is that there was no save. There's no saving any of these fools, no saving any of these fools. So what Matt rule ultimately did was put the mask down on his face in the airplane before he tried to help Joe Brady. And when I say help Joe Brady, he said, I'm just going to end this for you quickly, homie and push him out of the airplane these guys are all gone. You can't be a patsy when you all get caught. So, no, he's not a scapegoat. These fools, they stink. Let's see you later. It didn't work here in Carolina. And, Tepper, you are the assassin who assassinated our lives this season. David Tepper does have some explaining to do. I think we'll all be interested to hear his end-of-season press conference. And, uh, It'll also be interesting to see what Joe Brady does from here on out and see if maybe that also helps determine who's right in this debate might take that we do here. But, Tony, the next question that we have on deck, and it's a question I'll pose to you, 
is what would you do to fix the Panthers' current draft? And more specifically, um, what would you do to kind of restore some of the draft capital that we've lost in uh, going out and getting C.J. Henderson, Stephon Gilmore? Is our draft situation bad as it currently is? What do we need to do to fix this? I'll throw it to you first. The problem with this is, um, man, a lot of swings and misses by the Carolina Panthers at the quarterback position. Sam Darnold cost the Carolina Panthers a second-round pick in 2022. Um, They also traded a fourth-round pick in 2022 um, for... Sam Darnold, C.J. Henderson, all, did he really cost two picks? Or we get a, we gave a third. Is this how I read this right? That we gave a third and Dan Arnold for C.J. Henderson, and we got a fifth as well? Yeah, so uh, we, we traded a third-round pick uh, to the Jacksonville Jaguars that also received a 2022 fifth-round pick and Dan Arnold. I'll tell you this is then the Carolina Panthers. Um, the, the answer that when you look to Twitter will be trade out of the first, that's the only thing you can do. You're in the top 10. You got to trade back. But I tell you this, that ain't going to recoup these, these losses right here. The Darnold trade turned out to be terrible because it didn't work and it didn't work. So poor. It was so bad that, Having a fourth round pick would be better than having Darnold. A fourth round. Now we got to recoup a two, a four, and Darnold somehow. We got to recoup that. I tell you this is that Carolina Panthers trading back out of the top 10 will not be enough. Expect the Carolina Panthers to be selling some players that you might like, that you may respect. A DJ Moore. A, uh, I think DJ Moore, Brian Burns, these are names right there that I think that the Carolina Panthers could be trading. Because here's the thing. When you trade someone, you can't just trade somebody on a giant contract unless you're trading them to a winner, someone who's going to try to win right away. I don't know if DJ Moore is the type of player who puts you over the top. Right. I don't know if he's like all of a sudden you send him to the Patriots and that is the most dynamic offense and they're going to throw 30 times after they ran the ball three times against the Bills. What I am saying is this is trying to get some value for a guy who someone goes to like a DJ Moore goes to Green Bay, a DJ Moore goes to Kansas City, a DJ Moore goes to uh, the Ravens, that type of thing. But they will not give up a ton. You're going to get a third. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you're going to get a three. You're going to get a four for that. And you're going to have to try to get as much as you can. And I tell you this, the Panthers have a lot of work to do because they spent. And I and you know what? I think this is that we have we've tried to um, say that Scott Fitterer has been that he has no blame in this. But we have mortgaged a lot of the future. And there there's only one way to recoup this. And it's jettisoning jettisoning some important players that you may love. And I think DJ Moore and Brian Burns are on that list. Well, Tony, my answer is something of a two-parter. 
One, you stole a little bit of my thunder. You ate into my guitar solo time. I also think that at some point we are going to see Scott Fitterer doing away with some of the more flashier yet uh, more easily replaceable players on the Carolina Panthers. Um, But more specifically, I would say more DJ Moore than Brian Burns. I think they want to try and get absolutely every possible positive snap out of Brian Burns before he ends up going somewhere else. Or, or however Brian Burns ends his career, they truly want to see if he is a top-tier pass rusher. I do think that DJ Moore could potentially be on that list, especially when you consider, one, how expensive your receivers go for when they do hit the free agency market nowadays. But then to add on top of that, too, you look at we still truly don't know what we have in Terrace Marshall Jr. out of LSU or Shai Smith out of South Carolina, who like Brady Christensen and Deontay Brown on the offensive line, haven't really gotten a chance to truly be evaluated under fair circumstances this season. Tony, the second part to my answer is similar to what we had to do with Matt Rule. We had to sit and wait and be patient and find out the hard way what kind of coach Matt Rule was going to be. Well, quite simply, we're going to now have to do the very same thing with Scott Fitterer. He doesn't have a ton of draft capital to work with. But how many times do you hear that a good general manager is supposed to be able to find those diamonds in the rough? Diamonds in the rough like wide receivers, like a Justin Jefferson or DeAndre Hopkins or a DK Metcalf who go in the second round. But then also look at someone like uh, our very own, once upon a time, Andrew Norwell, who was an undrafted free agent who went on to be successful for Carolina before moving on to free agency with Jacksonville. But also look at someone like Trey Smith for the Kansas City Chiefs, who is playing tremendous football on the offensive line this very year after he was a rookie coming in this year. So quite simply, Scott Fitterer is going to have to use the very limited picks available to him and show David Tepper why he paid him to be the guy with the keys to the kingdom of the Carolina Panthers. So it's all on Fitterer here on out. Interesting, interesting points. I will not give you too much credit because I want to win the point. But I will say this. Um, I think we got to file this away for next week, debate my take, or at least when we get closer to the draft, as we try to figure out who Scott Fitterer is, right? As we have to, and I think you're right. I think you're sadly going to have to wait and see. He's going to have more leash now that he doesn't have anything unless we forget, unless we start to play some of the blame of not having this draft capital on him. But one of the things that is awesome is this, is that people that like, want someone to work out or think they are going to work out, they point to, all the good things that happened with the previous organization they were with, right? You talk about Scott Fitter is with this team that picked Russell Wilson in the third. Scott Fitter is part of this team that, you know, has moved back and done some th- dynamic things. But, you know, Scott Fitter was also part of a team that traded a first for Jamal uh, Jamal Adams. Adams. Oh, thank you. Thank yeah, you. Who uh, just went who out just, for the season. Right. And so do we put the fingerprints of the good and the bad 
when these guys come around, you know, I mean, if he's a genius for getting Russell Wilson, is he an idiot for get for being too aggressive in the Jamal Adams trade set? You're right. There's a wait and see with Scott Fitterer. And he's like this. Woo! Everybody else is getting fired. And Scott Fitterer's like, Woo! not me, man. Probably not me. And man, he might even be worried. Who knows? This is burn it down, baby. What's I, next? I, I, I tell you what, I will say this. We're not, we don't have Fitterer on the docket for tonight. But if you look at his free agency moves on the offensive line, we're still paying Denzel Perriman and Sam Darnold as a part of He's this. He's not error-free. No, not at all. And it's not unfair to levy those very uh, legitimate criticisms against him. So that is something that we're certainly going to be keeping our eye on. But uh, this one, I think everyone knows my answer to this. I think everyone knows your answer to this. Does Matt Rule have an arm length fetish? It's and like a limb what? fetish. <laughs> I mean, really, I mean, my man is really a size queen. He really is a size queen. <laughs> he doesn't have enough arm length to do push-ups. If you, if you I mean, look at these push-ups. little, little T-Rex arms in this picture. I mean, he can't row his boat that gently down the stream. He can't do. He can't drop it and give you ten push-ups. <laughs> he might only manage five. Tony Dunn. And listen, this is the most asinine thing in the world to me. And this isn't even a hot take. I mean, if you go on Twitter today, Matt Rule is quite literally the laughing stock of Panthers Twitter for how he continues to handle the offensive line. And how Braden Christensen was one of the highest ever graded left tackles by pro football focus to ever come out of college football. Then when he did have an opportunity to play the left tackle position for the Panthers this year, he held it down and did very well. And yet for some reason, Matt Rule still believes that Cam Irving and uh, Dennis Daly are better suited to be left tackles than Brady Christensen. More importantly, Matt Rule then has the gall in his press conference today to say, yeah, I go up to Brady Christensen all the time and say, hey, man, you're going to be a good football player. You're going to be a good football player. You just have to wait your turn, wait your turn. And, dude, if I was Brady Christensen, I would use those T-Rex arms that I had on my body, and I might jab that man right in the nose and give him a bloody one because you know what? I am tired of hearing all the dumb excuses for why the left tackle position is as putrid as it is. Tony, someone needs to introduce Matt Rule to a man named Jordan Gross, the best left tackle in Panthers history, who also was a victim of the short arm fairy at birth and was not blessed with Golden Gate Bridge arms. Someone introduce Jordan Gross to Matt Rule or Tony Dunn, because I don't know how else he's going to get over this arm length fetish that he clearly has. He's clearly fascinated with baby arms. He's like, man, that's the size of a baby arm. Oh, my goodness. He is aroused by these little arms, and he said, I got to put you in the middle between me and happiness. 
<laughs> poor, poor. Look, I, look. Here's the thing: is a uh, strange, strange comments come out to me on this. Strange, strange comments uh, from Matt Rule doubling, tripling down on. I see this guy as a center and a guard. That's what happened today in the press conference. He comes out and he still says his future is as a center or a guard in the league. And you know what? He may very well be right at the end of the day. You know, he could be right. But at the current state of the Carolina Panthers offense, at the current state of ineptitude of of their offensive line, of the current state of ineptitude with this coaching staff, of the current state of uncertainty with how you will proceed in the future, he may very well be right. But I don't know if it's in, like, maybe you need to prove otherwise. You know, and maybe you need to prove it by putting him at a position that you don't think he can play. The other point that might actually here's my final point on this is, you know what? He might not have the attributes to be the best left tackle in the history of football or even the best left tackle in the NFL at this current moment or a top 10 tackle at this current moment. But you have bottom 78,000 tackles right now is imagine trying to tell me this is we were just doing a pickup basketball game and we were trying to at least put together our best starting five. And you had a guy who was six, five and uh, you had a guy who was seven foot two, but that seven foot two guy was as soft as a damn piece of wet tissue paper and couldn't yeah. do, you couldn't do shit. And we got this six, five guy who will battle down in the, belly of the beast in the lane plays bigger this or that do we have a better chance with the guy who doesn't have the prototypical size or whatever yes we do give me the guy that can play a little bit better today rather than trying to tell me oh because he won't be a left tackle in nine years he's better than that guy beside him Or maybe we need to figure out if he is as good as the guy beside him or worse. This is when this is what happens. This is confirmation bias. That's all this is, is that Matt rule believed that this guy was going to be a guard or a center from the beginning. And now he refused to relinquish the idea. The strangest part about this is at the moment of the hot seat at the moment of everything's falling apart. You're not doing the things that could be the argument for you to actually be part of the Carolina Panthers future, which is using these five games to get better, to get reps, to figure out what you have. Instead, you are frantically flailing around with your little T-Rex arms and you're going to drown Matt rule. So you know what? This is just it. It's, it's, it's idiot, idiocy, even if he turns out to be right. It's lunacy. He needs to prove this to us at this moment. Yeah, and by the way, just to add the cherry on top of this shit Sunday, uh, Brady Christensen uh, did a press conference today and says he never played guard in his football career outside of practice. until he And he got didn't look little either. Carolina. I'm- I he looked at this big giant man. I wasn't like, oh man, look at this tiny little man. He's six foot seven, and there have been many left <laughs> tackles in the NFL 
who have been able to utilize uh, shorter arms and still be very successful in the NFL. Mind you, Rashawn Slater, who is uh, looking like an all-pro left tackle for the Chargers right now, is also a victim of the short arm syndrome. It's just like a boxer who faces a, a, a reach disadvantage. There is proper technique for being able to get on the inside and neutralize a physically bigger opponent. More importantly, Matt Rule feels he knows more about Brady Christensen's football life than Brady Christensen does. It's hypocrisy. And it just goes to show you very blatantly, Matt Rule doesn't really know what he's talking about, Tony Dunn. But I digress. I think we've uh, spent long enough on this topic. Uh, we kind of buried the lead to this next one a little bit earlier. But was the timing on firing Joe Brady right? Should we have waited till the end of the season? Was it the right time to do it now? I'll leave this one to you first. The timing, you know what, the firing I think is inevitable or was inevitable because I don't think it will be enough to save Matt Rule's job alone. So I think all these guys are going to get fired at the end. Um, this is a, the timing is absolutely wrong. It reeks of desperation. It reeks of, uh, of, of frantic panic. And here's why. He didn't need to just wait to the end of the season. He should have been more decisive on Monday or Tuesday. If this is the conclusion you were going to reach, right? Waiting, waiting till Saturday or Sunday in a bye week or on a bye week when you had the opportunity at least to orient whoever you were going to appoint as the play caller next and giving them an extra four or five days to mentally prepare for how they will approach what they need to do and how they need to do it, that would have been right. What I'm trying to tell you is this, is that it would have been better to wait till the end of the season. I don't think we will get better necessarily by removing Joe Brady. We might not get much worse either, but I, you know, it's not like we get an advantage this week, but the way that you once again, like these players and their lack of, them putting in them in places for success. What's the guy's name? Jeff Nixon. Yeah. Jeff Nixon. Thanks. Uh, coach rule for putting me in the best place for success by giving me four or five days less of time of preparation to be the play caller. So this is absolutely the wrong time. It was too late or too early, depending on how you want to view it. He should have done it on Monday or not done it till at the end of the season. Poor Jeff Nixon coming in here, less time than anybody, with a quarterback who barely knows, oh, do you know the playbook? No, because, wait, we just fired the guy who had the playbook. No, no one knows the playbook. Four days would have helped these guys to been able to collaborate. Shame on you, Matt Rule. You've cast aside. You are devouring your own children at this point. Jeff Nixon, if you succeed here, God bless you. And you know what? Maybe we should make you interim coach. Tell me, my thing is this. You're hearing reports that, you know, they were going to fire him at the end of this season. Well, when did they come up with that decision? When was that decision made? At what point in this season did they decide, okay, no matter what, 
we cannot move forward with Joe Brady because of how badly he is holding this team back. It just makes no sense to me. And it goes back to my initial point. Again, Joe Brady isn't the greatest play caller in the world, but I doubt there are too many offensive coordinators in the world who would look good behind this offensive line with this level of quarterback play. Now, was it the right time? Tony, I'm going to say no. Why did you wait? I mean, what what was such the, the, the philosophical difference between Joe Brady and this Nixon guy? It, it really doesn't make much sense to me. If you're the head coach, dictate to your offensive coordinator what you want the game plan to be, have him narrow his playbook, and run with that going forward. More importantly, whether we like it or not, Cam Newton came here under the auspices of a few different things. That we had a good defense that was prepared to take us into the playoffs while he got up to speed learning the playbook and the amount of offensive weapons that we had here and Joe Brady's ability to scheme them open. That was a part of the deal and why Cam wanted to come here. And now, while the Panthers are tied at 5-7, and seven, with both of our division rival Atlanta Falcons and New Orleans Saints, you want to make a change at play caller? What are you signaling to your team? Even Robbie Anderson did an interview today where he was, I mean, perplexed by the idea that you would make this change right now. And it took him by surprise. It took all of us by surprise. Yes, he was a fall guy, as I mentioned earlier. But yeah, it was the wrong move. You should have done this at the end of the season so that way you could do a full turnaround and everyone would have had the benefit of the doubt to start over new. Final topic for tonight. Our off-topic slide uh, is, is America in decline? This was a part of your ice up pick the other night, uh, and you yeah. had some thoughts about it. So... um. I'll let you start this off, man. We might not disagree, but then we might also. Um, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, if if um, being in decline means um, continuing to have discussions about equality, continuing to have discussions about um, quality of life, um. If being in decline simply means old people remember their childhoods, you know what? Yes, we are in decline. I changed my answer. We are in decline because the people who think it's in decline are old. And all they remember is this is the good parts of their life in the past. Paradise lost. I tell you this, folks, screw that. Screw this belief that just the old because it's in the past. It was good. The only reason that you believe that is because you are shook by the uncertainty of future. But I tell you this, I got more than three TV channels. I got access to credit. I am live broadcasting right now to the effing world. Porn is free. Indeed. What? Decline, I feel like I'm at the golden age of man right now. Aspirin, the worst thing we got is this, is we got a pandemic flying around and the economy's still doing well. I am sorry. 
if you are shook because you are aging. But God bless you. You can binge watch the C3 Panthers podcast and debate my take. I can't think of a better place, a better place to live, a better time right now than being, well, I would say than being a Panthers fan. But how about hanging out with us? America's not in decline. Golden era, baby. Golden era. Tony, my my answer is uh, simple, but it's also a little bit nuanced. And no, we're not in decline. America is as strong as it's ever been. Because whether we like it or not, this great nation was built on a free market economy, and we are the shining beacon of capitalism all over the world. Well, I'm here to tell you, Tony Dunn, capitalism makes sure that the richest people in America continue to get richer and richer, while politicians on both Republican and Democrat sides of the aisle campaign across America telling people to get out there and vote so that way we can strengthen and bolster the middle class. But, Tony, they don't give a damn about you. They don't give a damn about your family. They don't give a damn about your friends. They only give a damn about all their donors who pay them behind closed doors and get them to write the exact bits of legislation that they want them to make. They use the American people to get voted into office and then do the bidding of the highest bidder, Tony Dunn. And quite frankly, that's the way America has been since its inception. And now when you look at over the course of the pandemic, people being forced to close their businesses because they're, um, uh, uh, the, the word escapes me, right? Non-essential, non-essential businesses. Meanwhile, you have people like Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates making billions more dollars than they ever have, Tony Dunn. No, we're not in decline. That is what America does best. That's what it's always done best. And that's what it'll continue to be the best at, making the rich around the world even richer. This is the United States of America, Tony Dunn. It is what it is. God bless America. God bless if you, you know what? If you want a cooler, if you think America sucks and you love capitalism, why don't you donate to the C3 Panthers podcast? <laughs> Hell, right. I don't care. Just yeah. super chat that mug. All right. That's debate my take. We're here each and every week. Two guys, great hair, great opinions, debating it. I need you all to get in the comments. Tell us who won tonight. Tell us what you think. America in decline, America on the rise. Free porn good? Who knows? I say it's better than paying for it. Hey, we're (laughs) going to hop off this joint right here and jump on the beat check. We're about to hang out with Josh Klein from the Roaring Riot and check the beat of Carolina Panthers Nation. Till next week, the jury is out. Later. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.